0: What's going on, y'all? My name is Jordan. I'm a pastor at Renaissance. Shout out to everybody tuning into our first episode of Stoop Theology. Now, don't be intimidated by the name Stoop Theology. Rest assured, you are already doing theology. And my goal in this series is to help us to do it a little bit better. Now, we all have narratives that are running through our minds, right now about what we believe God to be like. What we think that God requires from us and our hope and our goal in this series is to tackle a lot of scriptures and topics that will help us to think better about God and to think better about ourselves. But from the outset, let me have one request that I'm begging you to do. Please, please, please make sure that in everything you're doing, anything you read, we always read it in context. Now, context is like really important. Uh, I heard a quote that said, if Christ is king, then context is queen. Now, what that means is you really can never divorce these two things in order for us to really get out of scripture what God wants us to get. Y'all, we gotta read it in context. There's so much beauty that we often leave on the table that doesn't ever make its way from our heads to our hearts, our head to our hearts, because we just don't read stuff in context. A lot of other times, man, we're actually just misled by different topics or scriptures because we don't fully understand the context of it. And it's a really dangerous thing. So quick story about why context is so important. My older brother is in the basketball hall of fame, the same hall of fame as Michael Jordan, Dr. J, Magic Johnson, Lisa Leslie, the greatest basketball players to ever play the game. My older brother, Jared Rice is also in that hall of fame. Now, The full context of that story will make that statement hit a whole lot different. Uh, The the full context is when he was a sophomore in high school, uh, his team played in the Hall of Fame uh, high school basketball tournament in Springfield, Massachusetts. And I don't even know if he got off the bench in 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 that whole tournament. And at the end of the tournament, they took a team photo of which was placed in the Hall of Fame. And that weekend, my parents and I, we went to the Hall of Fame to see his photo displayed in the Hall of Fame, and it was actually pretty cool to see it. I went back a couple of years ago and asked the guy, hey, is there like a photo section you have of different teams uh, that have played in these tournaments over the years? And he said, oh yeah, we probably have that stuff downstairs in the basement. We don't throw anything away. So the statement that my older brother is in the Hall of Fame actually means when he was in 10th grade, he played in the high school basketball tournament, and now his photo is collecting dust somewhere in the basement, but he is in the Hall of Fame, technically speaking. Now, at best, that statement would be confusing on its own without context. But at worst, it's just actually misleading and untrue, right? So I think a lot of us actually approach scripture just getting sound bites. And I think at best, we're confused. And at worst, we're, we're actually misled. But even worse than that, man, I actually think that we just miss out on what God has for us There's a scripture in Matthew 13 where Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a treasure that someone found it. And in their joy, great joy, they sold everything they had to buy the field and to get that treasure. And I think about it like, man, how often do I approach God in scripture? Like it's a treasure, not just an obligation or something to do. So I don't feel guilty, but do I approach a text? Like God has something like really valuable for me. And I think that if we understand things in the right context, we're gonna get a whole lot more value out of of everything. There's a scripture in 2 Timothy 2 and 15, where a man named Paul says this to his protege, Timothy, and here's what he says, to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Meaning that there is a right way and there's a wrong way to handle God's word. There's a correct way and there's an incorrect way to approach the scripture. And the correct way always involves us getting some really good context. Because if not, we're gonna be confused or not get out of it what we need. And Sometimes we're just straight up misled. And not only that, but for a lot of us, I know a lot of people who, as a pastor, I have all these conversations with people who have like walked away from Christianity, walked away from the church. And a lot of times they walk away from like really poor understandings of scripture and man, we're gonna walk through a lot of these in this series going forward. I can't obviously tackle all of them today, but it just breaks my heart to hear how many, like we're treating God's treasure as trash. But scripture has so much for us if we get the context. Something I mentioned a couple of weeks ago in one of our sermons was based on Ephesians 1 and 5, where it talks about this concept that if we were to read it through an American lens, through our context, we just miss out on the meaning altogether. Ephesians uh, 1 and 5 says this, it says that god predestined us to be adopted as sons through jesus christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one now if you read this through the scripture from an american lens i used to do family court i did a bunch of adoptions it sounds good like oh god adopted us and it's a powerful truth that we can get a little bit out of the context but what paul is saying here in the scripture is like profound now, in American contexts, as amazing and beautiful as adoptions are, they're generally done for compassionate reasons. But in scripture, in antiquity, in ancient Greece, man, they were not done for compassionate reasons. They were done for financial reasons, meaning in their society, in their, um, in their culture, it wasn't like American culture where the head of the household, like my dad, got the big piece of fried chicken and he got to you know, sit in a comfortable chair the head of the household in their economic system was something called the paterfamilias. Now the paterfamilias owned the entire estate. And this wasn't just for his immediate family, but oftentimes for their extended family. And this one head of household would own everything, land, animals, you name it. Now, periodically there would be a paterfamilias that did not have an heir. And as a result, what they would do is they would adopt. So this heir, this person who is now adopted is adopted as a son. This is why scripture says we are adopted as sons in Jesus Christ, not because it's trying to exclude the ladies, but it's trying to display the re- the economic or the, the beneficial reality of what adoption in God means. So we're adopted as sons in Jesus Christ. And what it's basically saying is this. Once upon a time, you had no inheritance. You had nothing good coming your way. But based on what Christ has done for us, based on what he has earned for us, Christ, our potter, Familius, our head of household, has adopted us. And check this out. We get an entire estate of righteousness, of God's favor, not because he did anything. Now, the essence of the gospel is that it is a message, not of what you must do, but rather what God has done for you. And that it's not based on your works, but based on the works of Jesus Christ. Now, how is that best seen? through an inheritance. Years ago, uh, all over the celebrity news was Paris Hilton uh, living like a rock star billionaire, and people were hating on her because, you know, she had all of this money and really uh, didn't do a lot of work to, to get it. And essentially, many of us struggle with Christianity because we wonder how could God, like, love me and bless me and give me all of these things? And how can God truly have, like, you know, heaven as my destination when I have so many faults and flaws, on my own. How could God truly treat me the way that he treats Christ? Um, And the adoption is the answer that we were adopted by God. And as a result, we get the inheritance that Christ earned, even though we didn't do anything for it. Paul says this in Ephesians two, for it is by grace, you have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God. Now later on in verse uh, in chapter one, Paul talks about this. He says, uh, in verse 13, he says, In him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of what? Of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. So to be a Christian, what Paul is saying in Ephesians 1, is to be someone who is like a trust fund baby that you have inherited an entire estate in this case, it's not money, but it's the righteousness of Jesus that we inherit, even though we did not deserve it. And that's much different than our American conception of adoption. And we miss out on the fullness of what that scripture is trying to tell us because sometimes, you know what? We don't have the context. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make sure you have a study Bible. There's a couple of different versions we recommend at Renaissance, either the CSB, the NIV, or the ESV and to get a study Bible um, written by any major company should take you a really long way of understanding the fullness of, of texts. Number two, I want you to always make sure that you never read a scripture in isolation. Always read the verses before and after. Read the whole chapter. Read, if it's an epistle like Ephesians, try to set aside 10, 15 minutes and read the whole book because you get a much different connotation when you read through th- something that way. Uh, and number three, I want you to do what Paul told Timothy to do. I want you to do your best. To present yourself as a worker who has no need to be ashamed but who is working to rightly divide the word of truth and yo do me a favor in the comments below let us know what topics or scriptures that you would like us to uncover and really unpack so we can really get the most out of this stoop theology series and if you're not already doing it make sure you're following us on all of our social channels and subscribe to our youtube channel but that's all i got for today catch y'all later peace